0: Take your copy of God's word, please, and be turning to the book of Jonah as we continue our study in this little book, Jonah. And we'll be in chapter four today. When we left our man Jonah last week, he was sitting under a little homemade shelter, sulking, mad as he could be. So let's quickly review what we've studied, what we've covered, what the book of Jonah is all about. It's a good refresher for those who've been with us. And if you're here for the very first time today, we're going to bring you up to speed And what we've been studying in chapter one, we have what we might call the prodigal prophet. Uh, Jonah is called to go to a place called Nineveh and preach a message of judgment that God had given to him. So God says go and Jonah says no. And uh, Jonah goes in the opposite direction, headed to a place called Tarshish. Well, in chapter two, we have what we might call the praying prophet, because God sent a storm and God sent a giant uh, sea creature, a giant uh, fish, if you will, to swallow up Jonah And from the belly of that fish, he cries out to God And we find that God gives him a second chance And in chapter 3, we have the preaching prophet And he goes into this place called Nineveh And he begins to preach a message of judgment And what happens is amazing, a great revival breaks out uh, One of, if not the greatest revival in all of history takes place there in Nineveh And when you consider that and you come to chapter 4, you may scratch your head because in chapter 4, we have the pouting prophet. Jonah is so mad in chapter 4 that he wants to die. And I don't mean just figuratively. I mean, he literally wants to die. Uh, He hated these Ninevites. He did not want to see them saved. He wanted them destroyed. And he's angry with the Lord. He's angry with God. And in all honesty, Jonah here in chapter 4 is just a plain mess. He's a mess. But thank God he's not through with Jonah. You see, the book of Jonah shows the grace of God, not only for these wicked Ninevites as he saves them, but also his servant, his prophet Jonah. Now, I want you to understand, men and women, God used some very interesting things to work in Jonah's life. Go back to chapter 1 we get started this morning. We're going to be in chapter 4 most of the time. But in chapter 1, I want you to notice verse 17. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. I want you to notice that phrase, that word, Now the Lord had prepared A great fish to swallow Jonah. I want you to notice the word prepared. Prepared. And it seems in chapter 2 that a stay in that whale motel did quite a work on Jonah, at least for a little while. He cries out to God and repents and goes forth and obeys God. But then in chapter 4, we notice that God has to work in his life some more. And we're going to look for that very same word prepared. It's the same word in the English text. It's also the same word in the Hebrew. And I want you to notice what God used, what God prepared uh, when it comes to his prophet, his man, Jonah. I want you to look in Jonah chapter four and I want you to notice verse six. The Bible says "And the Lord, God prepared a plant and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be shaved for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. So we notice, first of all, that God used to plant. Now, what kind of plant this is, we're not sure. The King James Version calls it a gourd. The NIV calls it a vine, and the New King James simply calls it a plant. We're not sure exactly what kind of plant it is. Some scholars believe it is the castor oil plant. And how fitting would that be? You need a little dose of castor oil because it has these broad leaves and so forth to provide shade. But whatever it was, it provided some much needed relief from the scorching sun where Jonah found himself. And for the very first time in this book, we find the Bible says that Jonah is grateful and Jonah is happy about something. Notice the end of verse six. Jonah was very grateful. He was very thankful for that plant. He's happy over his gourd plant. He likes this plant. He loves this gourd plant. Now, listen, when the sun is beating down on you, I mean, oppressively just scorching you. How much do you love to find just a little bit? Of shade, even a shrub, a tree, whatever, to get out from that oppressive heat that's there. Well, Jonah's the same way. Jonah's a real man, real emotions, real feelings. He heard, he bled. He understood that he loved this gourd plant. Now, can you see him in your mind's eye, sitting there under his little homemade crude shelter? And he's there, and he's out of fellowship with God, and he's in fellowship with this gourd. Now, God used this plant. But then God did not stop in using the plant. I want you to notice verse number seven. It says, but as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a what? A worm. And it damaged the plant that it withered. God used a plant and then God used a worm. Unbeknownst to Jonah, there was a force at work to destroy his beloved gourd plant. God prepared a little worm. A little worm with a big appetite. And that little worm came along and saw that gourd plant, whatever it was. And he decided that looked good. And it tasted good. And he did a work, a number on that gourd plant. And here again, we're reminded of the sovereignty of our awesome God. We're reminded that he created all things. We're reminded that he has control over his creation. He can use a whale or a worm For his purposes, he did both here in the book of Jonah. And by the way, did you notice, as we've been studying, both the whale and the worm were more obedient than the prophet, the man, Jonah. So God used a plant and God used a little worm, but he's not done. We find next that God used a hot wind. It says in verse number eight, and it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. God turns up the heat on Jonah. Now, he doesn't do this because he. He he doesn't love Jonah. He does it because he does love him. He's not going to leave Jonah sitting out there in this pitiful position, pouting and sulking and mad. He's not going to leave Jonah in his selfishness. The wind blows and beats down on Jonah. The sun is there and all of it's too much. He's had enough. He says, I'd be better off dead. I want to die. I want this misery to end. Now, listen, this is not the first time. That God had used the wind in Jonah's life. In Jonah chapter 1 and verse 4. You know, they're out there at sea. He's fleeing to Tarshish. And in Jonah 1.4 it says, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So the ship was about to be broken up. And so God is using the wind and God is reaching His man. So God used a whale. He used a plant. He used a worm. And He used some wind to do a work in Jonah's life. Now, when you and I look at this story and we look at the things that God used, we probably agree that they were a bit unusual, at least from our perspective, but not God's. You see, God is at work around us, beloved, whether we realize it or not. And God can use things in our lives that we don't realize he can use in our lives. I doubt very seriously that John ever got uh, thinking about the fact that God would use a worm To teach him a lesson. Or God could use a wind or whatever to bring him where he needed to be. Now, there are two great lessons I want you to get from this today. And that's this. Number one, God uses things in your life. God uses things in your life. Well, you say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, I mean, God allows things and brings things in your life to grow you and bring you to himself. And I believe this is true both in the unbeliever's life and in the believer's life. Those of you who know Christ, think about your life before Christ. Who was it? What was it that got your attention upon eternity? What was it or who was it that got you thinking about heaven and hell? About eternity, about the Lord Jesus Christ. What was it that got your attention? God used some things or some people in your life to bring you to realize, hey, I'm going to die one day. I'm going to face eternity one day. And I'm going to have to stand before God one day. And then, Christian, how many times has God, since you're coming to Christ in faith and salvation, how many times has God allowed things or brought things into your life to grow you? You know, often it's the... Most difficult things that come in our lives that produce the greatest fruit, right? You see, God does not want to leave us where we are. He is working to make us more like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God uses all sorts of things to accomplish his purpose. I love how I didn't notice till this moment, but I love how the Sunday school lesson this morning and our message is fitting together. I have down here Romans eight twenty eight and 29. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew. He also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God uses all things. Let me ask you something, Christian. What's going on in your life right now? What are you facing? What trials? What testings? What is God trying to teach you? How is God trying to grow you? And listen, through those trials, through those testings, are you growing bitter or are you growing better? See, there's only one letter difference in those two words, but all the difference. Are you growing bitter or better? God uses things in your life. The second lesson, God wants to use things. You. God wants to use you. Now, I think we forget this at times. From the very start of the book of Jonah, he desired to use Jonah to reach the Ninevites. Now, why? I mean, could he not have found somebody else? Somebody else a little bit nicer? Uh, Somebody else a little more willing? Somebody maybe didn't hate the Ninevites to go. Sure, he could have found someone like that. But in his sovereign will, he said, Jonah is the man. He loved the Ninevites and he loved Jonah. And you know what? He loves you too, friend. There's nothing like being loved, is there? And you know, I'm blessed in this regard. I'm loved by my wonderful wife. I'm loved by two little boys. I'm loved by my extended family. I'm loved by my church family. And man, there's nothing like that except this greater than all of that. I am loved by God. Would you say that out loud with me today? I am loved by God. Say it again. I am loved by God. Think about that. You're loved by God. You say, I don't even know God, preacher. That's still true. God loves you so much, he sent his son to die for you. He says, listen, you're a sinner, you're undone, you're condemned to hell. But here I've got a plan. I've got a man. Here's my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to send him to take on human flesh. I'm going to let him endure the cross and the sin and the shame. He lived a sinless, perfect life, never did wrong. But He took upon Himself, our sin upon that cross, was taken and beaten and nailed to that cross and raised up between heaven and earth and died. And I'm giving Him for you. I'm going to have Him take Him down off that cross and place Him in a a tomb there and let Him stay there. And then I'm going to have Him arise for you. For you. For you. He did that for you, friend. He desires you to have eternal life. He desires you to come to Christ, come to the cross and receive forgiveness. He did that for you. He loves you that much. Will you take him by faith today? Will you turn from your sin to Christ? Will you come in faith today? Christian, God loves you. And God wants to use you. And Maybe you think thinking well, preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. No, maybe not. But look at what Jonah had done. I mean, Jonah had disobeyed God, willfully run from God, ended up as a pile of whale vomit. Literally. That's what it says. And yet God says, I'll still use you. I'm not done with you. I love you. And I'm going to work in your life. So think about your life. Who does God Want to reach through you. For Jonah, it was the Ninevites. Who does God want to reach through you? Really think about that for a moment. Let God the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Who does God want to reach through you? Through your life? You see, you meet people I'll never meet. You know people I don't know. God has put people around you and in your life that he wants to use you to reach them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have some ushers ready to give you a little card. Guys, if we could do that right now. They're going to give you a little card. I want you to take that card and hold on to it for a moment. If you'll give me some. I'll give some to the choir here, brothers. All right. Thank you. Everybody, get one. Now, as you're getting that card, I'm sure you're noticing the the front of it. Where it says 316 prayer card. Three people, one time a day, for six days. As you notice, this is put out by our North American Mission Board. You know, in two Sundays, we're having something called Friend Day. October the 3rd. Next week, we're going to give you invitation cards to give out. Invite your friends, family, loved ones to come. We're focusing on people that are unchurched. We're not seeking to drag anybody from their church. We're looking for unchurched people. We're surrounded by unchurched people in Anson County. You say, oh, come on, preacher. Yes. in our own county all over. I want you to notice what it says on the front of that card. It says to pray for our relationship, to pray for our conversation, to pray for their response. And then as you turn that card over, I want you to notice there are three blanks there. He says, I will pray for three people one time a day, six days a week. And there's a spot for you to put three names. And here's what I want you to do today, beloved Christian. Before you invite anyone to friend day, I want you to pray for them. I want you to seek God's face this morning and ask him, Lord, who is it in my life you want to reach through me? Then I want you to write their names on this card. And I want you to keep this card with you, You put it in your wallet, your purse, your pocket. And I want you over the next week, the next six days, I want you to pray for those people by name. I want you to pray for your conversation with them. I want you to pray for your relationship with them. I want you to pray for their response when you invite them to come with you to friend day. Would you do that? Would you allow God to work through your life? Would you allow God to reach someone with the gospel because of your life? Now, listen, we're out of time. There's one more grand lesson here in this fourth chapter. We're going to reserve that for next week. But here's what I want to do. I want you to focus on these two lessons. God uses things in your life and God wants to use you. Now, I want us to do this for a moment. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And I want you to pray. And I want you to ask the Lord to bring to mind who it is that he wants you to write on that card. Who it is he wants you to pray for. And who it is he wants you to invite to friend day. Let's take a moment and do that. And if God leads you, I want you to write on the card right now. And I want you to be praying for that person and those people. Would you pray to the Lord and say, God, the Holy Spirit, would you please lay upon my heart? Burden my heart for the people you want to reach through my life. You use Jonah. I want you to use me. Would you do that? While your head is still bowed and you're praying or writing <coughs> those names down, I wonder if you're here today and you say... Preacher, I got one of these cards, but and I can't reach somebody else with the gospel because I I haven't even experienced it myself. Today, friend, if you will come to Christ, he'll receive you. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you and give you eternal life. In a moment, we're going to sing a song of invitation. And I want to invite you as I'll be down here in the front to come and let me know. If you need to trust Christ, I'll put you as someone who will take a Bible and share with you the good news of the gospel. And then during that invitation, perhaps you're here and God has burdened your heart about some names, some people. Maybe today you'd like to come and bring that prayer card with you and lay it on this altar and pray over it. And pray that God would use you to reach those people. And then finally, in the invitation I... Considering that perhaps some people here today are going through great trials and testings and God is growing you and the burden is heavy. Maybe today you need to come and make a fresh commitment to trust him and look through these days and pray that he would help you to become better and not bitter. Pray that he would help you to grow and help you to learn the lessons that he has for you. Through that, that is the invitation today, threefold. If you need to be saved. You want to come and pray over those that you're burdened about, or you need to come and bring a personal burden to God. You come as we sing in a moment. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your blessings in our life. Bless this invitation, I pray, in the Savior's name. Amen.